Hi, everybody. Hi, Pastor Jamie. This is the thing we do with the young adults whenever we go in a circle, we introduce ourselves, and everybody goes, Hi, so and so. Hi, my name is Sarah. Hi, Sarah. It's really funny. I don't know why we do it. It's really bizarre. Um, I want to point something out to you because, so, second. Yep, it's official. Okay, everybody that's here is us. You guys are all regular attenders this morning, except for you guys, but you were like us before I was us, so you don't count. But you do count, but you don't count as not us. So, um, I had a bunch of stuff I got to say this morning, and I have no idea how much of my notes I'm even going to get to. Um, so we're just going to start with a few things. To help us as a church, and to help new people, uh, people who are seeking God, um, be able to interact with what God is saying to us. One of the the most important thing that we have is God's word, right? Um, we have God's word and we have the Holy Spirit. Those are the two things that we've got to help us understand what the Lord is saying. And so the church as a team, we've been investing in buying, you know, the, for lack of a better word, a pew Bible. So if you've been around the church for most of your life, you know what a pew is. It's a really long, uncomfortable chairs designed to keep you awake um, during a really bad sermon. That's what those are all about. They make great bonfires. Just ask the Methodist Church where I took them out. They were very angry with me. Anyway, um, so this is the newest version of the Pew Bible, and it's exactly like the last version, which was white, and this one is blue. And they are going to be located at those back corners. So I'm going to ask you, if you ever see somebody sitting near you that does not have a Bible in their hands, you can go grab one of these and give it to them. Okay? And we're going to start, we're, we, it's the ESV version, which is what I preach from. And uh, it, I can give a page number so they don't have to go wandering around like, how do I find that book, you know, and I don't have to spend 15 minutes giving directions, you know, like take a left at Habakkuk. You know, like, I don't even know what that means. It's like tobacco. What is that? Um, so, you know, today we're going to be preaching from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, which is on 559. And if you need a paper Bible today, you can go grab one. It's right back there. And uh, we want to encourage paper Bibles uh, because, you know, your cell phone's got push notifications, Right. Let's just be honest. You're like sitting there and you're like, oh, I'm paying attention to the Bible and ding, oh, Facebook. And I, I watch it happen. It's crazy. Or, oh, Candy Crush notification. Or even worse is that stupid spelling game that's like Scrabble. And then now you're sitting there and you're like, oh, maybe I can find a good church word to use my letters on. And, you know, you like, thank you, Pastor Jamie. Your sermon was amazing. You gave me a 12-letter word and I used all my letters. You know, you got extra points. I don't know how many letters are in that. But anyway. So that's what this is about, and I want to ask you, help me, help you, help us be aware of guests, because we have been praying for guests for a long time, and we've started talking like guests are coming, and guess what's happened? Guests are coming, not today, clearly, because um, they're all sleeping someplace, and all of our college students pretty much, I mean, you guys are, you're not even a student anymore, you're still doing your master's degree, and that's like our student, oh, we got another... Well, they're not students either anymore. Everybody that's here is... Yeah, okay. So anyway, we have a professor, but they're coming. People are curious about faith. People are curious about God. They're curious about Jesus. Our culture has forgotten the story of the gospel. And you want to say, you know, Christians have been going, oh, that's a bad thing. It's terrible. We've just lost control of the culture. You know, it's probably the best thing that's ever happened to us because now they have no clue. They've got no preconceived notion about who Jesus is. No pre, I mean, even the whole, you know, white, 
um, sissy Jesus pictures. It doesn't even mean anything to them. They're like, who is this European guy? And you know, what does that have to do with it? We have the opportunity to really introduce people to Jesus for the first time. And that's what we want to do. So Easter's coming. These signs are a big part of that, introducing them to Jesus. These are the, these are the stories of Jesus right here. Don't, don't give up. There's, there's hope. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be dead and buried soon. Don't give up because guess what? I'm coming back to life. You matter. You matter enough that I gave my life for you. These are the stories of Jesus. Share the story of Jesus with people around you. Man, where am I even going? I haven't even opened my notes. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. The other thing I wanted to talk about, um, I sent you a great email this week. How many of you got the awesome email I sent? Twice. Twice. Good job, Rob. Overachiever. Um, We will be sending those out every week as a reminder about what's going on at church, what we're talking about. And I sent you a great email saying, hey, Heidi's speaking today. And she's not, because she is home with the flu. Uh, You guys know my story with my back. It started in November, so I've had back problems. And just just an update to that, like after Easter sometime, I'll probably do surgery. I'm leaning that direction right now. I'm leaning on my right leg right now, actually, because my left leg is a little hurty. Um, so that happened, and then Amelia got the flu, and then she got better, and then Isaac promptly got the flu, and it's like a week and a half, two week deal. And then now he's better, and Isaac is like, he's here, and he's full of energy because he's like two weeks of not doing anything. So if you make it through my sermon today, I'll be proud of you. If I make it through my sermon today, I'll be proud of me. Um, and now Heidi got it yesterday. She's like, she was like, I feel like I have a cold. And then by mid-afternoon, she's like, got a fever. And then she's supposed to be speaking this morning. And I've been spent all week working on Easter. And so uh, with Daylight Savings Time, I was up until 1 o'clock in the morning, not Daylight Savings Time, writing this message for you, thinking about the guest, thinking about the person that is not here, the person who needs to hear this message. And so that shaped some of the things that I, I have written in here to say. And um, maybe we need to hear it again, because we're talking about the spiritual gifts, right? And today we're going to talk about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. Um, and those are, those are kind of touchy subjects for a lot of the church. Some parts of the church believe that these sorts of gifts ended with the apostles. Some believe that they are the devil um, working in people and actually prompting them to go crazy and wild and just speak this gibberish. And some people believe that it's totally for today, and, and it's all across the board. And so in this this discussion on spiritual gifts, we wanted to uh, talk about that. And I wanted to talk with you about it today. And I'm going to pretend this morning that none of you have ever heard anything about the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy, um, because some of you may not have. And some of you, it's been so long since you've heard it that you've forgotten what it means. And some of you are like engaged in it all the time, but uh, we need some some boundaries, and we need to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say about it. So that's what we're going to talk about. I had this whole thing in here about women in ministry and Heidi speaking, and it was going to be awesome, and we believe in that, and I'll save that for another day. If you don't believe in women in ministry, it's probably not the place for you. The last thing I want to do is chase anybody out of the church this morning, because there's only like, what, 25 or 30 of us? 40. Thank you. But who's counting? Um so we'll, we'll talk about women in ministry at a later time, uh, but just for saying this, I believe that women are gifted, called, chosen, selected, set apart, and skilled for this sort of job. 
from every job all the way from senior pastor on down. Even our national leader is a, is a woman. The national leader of the Foursquare denomination is a woman, Tammy Dunahoo. She's amazing, and God has gifted her for those roles. And so if you're a woman and you feel called to ministry, this is your place. So there's my tirade on that for the moment. Okay, so why do we need to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically about speaking in tongues? It kind of, in some ways, amazes me that we need to. Because when I was a kid, it seemed like that was all we talked about. You know I mean, how many of you grew up in a church like that? It was like, all you talked about. Okay, me and you and Jamie over there, high five to you. Oh, there you go. Us to, yeah. All, you, you, us a former assembly of Godders, which is, you know, yeah. you know we're, we're rebelling against our parents' faith and now we're four square. It's uh, <laughs> what defines us as a people. It was like all we talked about when I was a kid. Like, I'd go to summer camp, and there was a formula. The first night you get there, you're all jazzed, and the first night's all about salvation. And they would talk about, like, you're going to hell, and you're, you know, and they were like, it was like fire. And you're like, I mean, literally, they're bringing fire, trying to scare the hell out of you. And then, like, everybody comes up and gets saved that first night. I'm, I'm getting saved again, 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 because it's been like eight camps, right? Since I was in kindergarten, I've been going to camp and getting saved every year. And that's the first night. And then the second morning, it's all about holiness, Right? It's all about getting that sin out of your life and, and throwing away your Pantera tapes and, and burning uh, all of your Metallica CDs and, yeah, I'm aging myself. Like, this is the stuff that, that was like, this is the stuff that really had a spiritual grip on our lives. And so we were like throwing these things into bonfires and, you know, like hundreds of dollars worth of music. And, uh, which nowadays is classic rock. And we listen to the radio, and it's it's fine, right? It's classic rock. There's nothing wrong with classic rock. You know, it's like it's okay. And then, so that was in the morning, and and then we would play in the afternoon, you know, and try not to sin. And we'd come that evening on Saturday night, and it was all about the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the speaking in tongues. Okay, and that's in our in, our, in my growing up years, the physical evidence of that you were filled with the Holy Spirit was that you spoke in tongues. And it was, you know, it was just this thing. We literally like soaked ourselves in it. And our normal church services, we had Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night services. How many grew up going to that? Man, fewer of you than I would have thought. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, Sunday night. And Sunday morning, it was like a normal, like what we're doing here. But Sunday night, man, we're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit. We're speaking in tongues every every week, and people are falling down in the Spirit, laughing in the Spirit. Sometimes it even got really weird, and people started barking in the Spirit. I'm not sure about that whole thing. A lot of these things that were going on weren't even biblical in any way, shape, or form. I don't know. I'm not saying it's you know wasn't wasn't sincere or anything like that. It's just what was going on. And Wednesday nights the same thing. So we were like immersed in it, but things have changed, right? Most churches aren't immersed in the culture of the gifts of the Spirit. And I realize that part of that is a reaction of the church. You know, So the church is always on a pendulum, right? We're always swinging from one side to the other. We, we're like swinging way out here to these, we're like, oh, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And then we start going and we come out to this really extreme place. And then we like, people go, wait a minute, quick, put the brakes on. We stop and it swings way back over here to this other side where we're like, we don't want anything to do with that other extreme. And I realized that even in my own heart that I've done that over the years, watching the extremes, watching people get hurt, watching abuses, watching people completely ignore these things. And I'm trying to hold on to the two extremes so that we can pull ourselves to the middle and say, look, we are gifted. We are called. We are chosen. We are given the Holy Spirit. And there's some things that seem weird to the world around us. There's some things that even seem weird to us in the moment, but the Holy Spirit is prompting them and, and releasing them in us. 
And the gift of tongues is one of those places. Times have not only changed in the church, but they've changed in, uh, across, across the country, really. Um, Barna, the Barna group did a, a study on the church and the gifts of the Spirit. And it is shocking what they found out. And I wanted to share some of that with you this morning. First of all, I mean, this is the big thing. They found out that the gifts of the Spirit are completely and totally misunderstood. They found out that 28% of self-described Christians, so people who say, I am a Christian, I go to church weekly, I'm involved in a small group, I'm involved in the life of the church, I pray, you know, this, I'm a born-again believer. 28% of people that self-described as Christians said that they do not have a or an or any spiritual gifts. None. 28% of Christians, no gifts whatsoever. And that's really sad considering that the Bible says that we are each given gifts, right? We're each given gifts. We talked about that last week. And perhaps just as sad as those people who declared that they didn't have any gifts, 21% of, okay, so it was 28 that said they didn't have any, so the remaining group said they had some. 21% of those people, they listed things that had nothing to do with spiritual gifts in the Bible whatsoever. And I'm talking about things like this. A sense of humor. Singing. Health. Life. Happiness. Patience, a job, a house, compromise, a premonition, creativity, and clairvoyance. So do you get what I'm saying here? Nearly 75% of people who say they have spiritual gifts are saying they have things like clairvoyance, that they can see the future. Not We're not talking about prophecy, that they have the ability to like read the signs and say this is what's happening. And that has nothing to do with the Bible. It goes on. The people most likely to say to claim that they operate in a charismatic gift like speaking in tongues or prophecy or healing, any of those, um, most of them are not college educated. Most of them are over the age of 45. And women are more than twice as likely as men to claim a spiritual gift of that sort. What that means is we've got a bunch of educated, under 45 men rolling around thinking they don't have spiritual gifts or not operating in them. More than half of our church is not operating in the fullness of what God has intended for them. And that's not like a, oh, poo-poo on you. It's the reality is, is we've stopped teaching about it. We've stopped talking about it. And so we've got to engage with it because the church needs these things. The church needs people to speak in tongues. The church needs people to prophesy. The church needs people to pray for healing and to see it happening. Of all the gifts, the gifts of tongue and prophecy are really, I think, the most misunderstood. Only 13% of all the people surveyed would claim to have these gifts, the gifts of prophecy and the gifts of tongue specifically, which is why we're going to be talking from 1 Corinthians 14, which is where Paul talks a lot about this stuff. The gifts of healing, interpretation, knowledge, miracles, prophecy, go into this category of charismatic gifts, gifts that don't seem to come from within, they seem to come from without, and they're engaged in a moment. And sometimes we, we carry them throughout our days, but they, they happen charismatically, um, spontaneously. I want to read this text because Paul, and while you know, there's a lot of gifts, Paul spends a lot of time talking about these two specific gifts. And so I want to read this section of, of Scripture to you. From 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 19. And we're just going to talk about what Paul has to say about it. And uh, 
we're going to talk about maybe why it doesn't happen and what we need to do about it. Is that cool with you guys? Huh? What page? Oh, I had it marked. He's, he's got his book back there. You're testing me. 539, I think it was. 559. Never, ever ask me to remember an exact number. 559. All right. So let's read this together. And I'm going to read it. Try not to fall asleep if you're sleepy. I understand. Um, fall asleep. You're falling asleep in the presence of the Lord this morning. So here we go. 14, verse 1. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I want to say that. Could you guys say that line with me again? Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I'll keep reading. Especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters the mysteries of the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and the encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will it I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. That was boastful. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. Lord, I, I just pray this morning, knowing that we come from lots of different backgrounds, lots of different experiences, lots of different places, lots of different politics, lots of different economic backgrounds, but in you, Lord, we are all one. There is no difference between slave or free, Jew or Greek, man or woman, rich or poor, white or black. God, all of these outward differences that we see in this world are leveled on the playing field in you. In you, we are all set apart. In you, we are all forgiven. In you, we are all cleansed. In you, all we are all called for a purpose and gifted to accomplish it. So I pray that this morning, you would bring clarity to this important subject through me, through the words that I'm going to say. And in the weeks to come, as we explore these gifts, 
that you would again pour out your spirit new and fresh on all of your sons and daughters, the old and the young, God, the, the, the teenagers and the elderly, the men and the women, the students and the professionals, uh, the unemployed, God, all across the board, that your spirit would fall fresh on us here in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quickly, I think there's two big things that get in the way of us engaging in the spirit of speaking in tongues and in prophecy and healing and the ecstatic gifts. First of all, is we live in a culture of skepticism. Skepticism is, is, you know, we come in with a doubt, right? We come to a subject with a doubt. I'm not going to buy into this until it's been proven to me. But the thing about skepticism and skepticism in our culture is that it's not an automatic no when you come to anything. So when we come this morning to this subject of tongues, if you're coming from a skeptical place, I want to ask you to go to the maybe place. The maybe place. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to see what the Bible has to say, not what a theology of a denomination or what Pastor Jamie thinks, but what the Bible has to say about these things. And I'm willing to explore it and to be open to what God may want to do in me. And really, that's the big thing with this whole series. I want you to be open to what God might want to do in you and with you. And that's a scary thing because the second part of our culture that we really have to address in this, this subject is this, this culture of image control. We want to look a certain way to certain people. Um, we kind of live on two extremes, especially in the church. We might be on an extreme of spiritualism or an extreme of intellectualism. See, the intellectual side of things, this is where I live, this is my camp, we come skeptical, we come doubting, um, we come with an educational mindset, and we want to prove to other people that we know more, and that we're smarter, that you know we're wiser somehow, we have it all together. And uh, when it comes to spiritual things, uh, we don't want to look out of control. We don't want to look like we don't know what's going on, and when we don't know what's going on, we just pretend like we do. And we keep our hands in our pockets, we keep ourselves at a little bit of a distance so that we don't have to engage it um, emotionally because we want to engage it intellectually. That's one extreme. And at its very, very worst, okay, this, this extreme, this camp that I tend to live in, this, this very extreme, at its worst, um, can be condescending and critical and negative and uh, all of this just to establish an image so that you will like and accept me. Now, the other extreme is the spiritual extreme. It often happens in the church where, again, just want people to love us. We just want people to like us. And so we go to this other extreme of spiritualism because there are certain contexts in the church where if you uh, present yourself with a very spiritual um, attitude, a very spiritual uh, presence, then you are elevated above other people and you're respected and you're honored and you're loved and you get to polish that image because um, people like you. And this is the, the, the context I grew up in. So people in that, in that context, um, they will uh, kind of spurn intellectualism. They'll say, oh, if you're not just experiencing it in the spirit, then you don't have anything at all. And so they put down the intellectual mindset, who wants to explore and see and understand. Um, intellectual or uh, The spiritual side of things can be very judgmental of people who don't experience God in the same way. They can uh, be condescending again and speaking down to people who are, are trying to approach things from an intellectual mindset. People in this, this, uh, this category that I grew up with... Um, they would say things like, you know, that church across town, they, they seem to have a really good children's program, but they're not spirit-filled. They don't have the Holy Spirit. I even knew a guy once who said that Billy Graham wasn't a spirit-filled speaker. 
Yeah, that was my response. Except for I thought, oh yeah, he's right. He's he's a Baptist. He can't be spirit filled. He doesn't know anything about it. And this is my pastor growing up. But he was a, he was a good man. He was genuine. He was kind. He was loving. But he just had this mindset that anybody who didn't speak in tongues wasn't spirit filled, and so they were less of a Christian. It was like you didn't achieve something. Um, you know, they'd say things like. Oh, have you ever been slain in the spirit? And that's that thing you see on TV where people lay your hands on him and sometimes you're like, wait, did he just push him over or did he fall? And then there's like, I've been around people. I mean, okay, literally, I watched somebody fall down in the spirit and they fell through a pew and the pew didn't break. I mean, I've watched it happen. And it's so I know this is real, but I've also seen people like literally pushing people over and other people like, yeah, just stand back. You're not pushing me down. And you know, oh, you've never been slain in the spirit? Well, you haven't, you haven't got that, you're not spiritual enough. So with these two extremes, it keeps both camps, okay? And most of us don't live in the extreme, right? We live somewhere in the middle, and we move around here in the middle. We kind of go back and forth. But these two extremes can keep us, as a church, it keeps us divided, and it keeps the intellectuals want to stay back, and the spirituals want to say, hey, I'm better, and then all of this stuff is missing the entire point of the gifts. Both of them, um, what Paul would say, is people not loving well because they're busy trying to polish an image of themselves to present to others so that they can receive love rather than loving other people and engaging the gifts to build one another up. So these two extremes are going on here in the Corinthian church. You have a group of one, one group of people whose lives um, are totally in their minds. They're completely put off by the expressions of the charismatic gifts, especially tongues and things like that. And then you've got this other group that's just speaking in tongues all the time, and they want to take over the church service. So people come to church, and they just start speaking in tongues. And then there's like a 100 people speaking in tongues, and you know, part of me is going, wow, that'd be so amazing. But then I'm like, that's just chaos, because these guests are coming in, right? And they're going, what are you people doing? What are you even saying? Nobody knows what you're saying. And they're like, oh, I'm praising God. Well, how am I supposed to know you're praising God? I can't understand that. I can't say amen to that. I can't agree with that. And so Paul's addressing that. He's like, look, Tongues is, I speak in tongues all the time, and this is super important. You guys, I want all of you to speak in tongues. But if you all speak in tongues, it's not building up the church. You're not loving people well. You're not building them up. And then all of you people over here who are saying, you know, tongues is just, it's out of control, it's crazy, we don't need it. He's like, no, 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 I want you to speak in tongues. I want you to prophesy too. We need it. But don't let it get out of control. Don't go crazy with it. People are coming in the doors and they're going, this is just all made up. It's crazy. It's fake language, right? Donald Trump would walk in and say that, right? Fake language. It's fake news and it's fake language. And that's why Paul says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Gong. But then he goes that flips it on its head. He says, look, if I have all knowledge and all wisdom and possess and know all things, but I have not love, I am gong, a clanging symbol. I'm nothing. Neither of these extremes are helpful. And here's the thing about them. While most of us don't live in them, what happens when we do, when we go to an extreme to polish an image, is that we give up something. First of all, we give up a real encounter with the living God. We give up an experience of him releasing something in us that will build up the church, that will build up our own faith. And we also give up our truest and most authentic self before God and before other people because we're putting on a 
coat or a mask so that other people might like us. And God is inviting us through the spiritual gifts to be ourselves, to really be free to be yourself, your true self, your whole self, your authentic self, that love would flow from an authentic heart. This is what God invites us into with the spiritual gifts. That's why in verse 14.1, Paul says, pursue love, but desire gifts. Pursue love, but desire gifts. We are called to love one another. So now that that's out of the way, let's talk real quickly about what those gifts are. Man, I totally can't even see the clock. There it is. Signs are in my way. I keep saying, don't give up. You guys are in trouble. I got signs behind me that said, don't give up. So I'm just going to keep talking. Just going to keep going. Every time I'm like, I think they're done, I'm going to look at that sign. I'm not looking at you, looking at the sign. Anyway. All right. So now that we understand what gets in the way, you know, our extremes of spiritualism or intellectualism and really that desire that other people would like us and that desire to cultivate an image, right? Let's understand a little bit about what these gifts are that Paul is talking about, the gift of tongues and the gift of prophecy. The gift of tongues is seen throughout the entire New Testament. And if you've read the Bible, you've read the book of Acts, you know that it started on Acts, in Acts chapter 2, the day that the Holy Spirit was brought in fullness to the hearts and minds and lives of men and women in their first church. Jesus had been resurrected, and he'd been gone out into heaven, and he said, wait, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's always saying, look, you spent the first part of history with God the Father walking around in a cloud of fire, and he was in a temple and inside behind a veil, and you couldn't see him, you couldn't interact with him. But then you got me. You got God the Son who walked with you that you could touch, you could you could smell, and sometimes I didn't smell good. And you know, we, we ate fish together, and we did these miracle things, and then I died and because we really want you and me to be together forever in the deepest possible connection. And he says, and when I go... Not only am I preparing some place for you, I'm sending a helper, the Holy Spirit. And now that Holy Spirit, it's like we had God among us, God with us in Jesus, and the Holy Spirit is God in us. Boom, filled, like a body is a vessel, and that filling of the Holy Spirit. So all of God, all that he is, all that he has, all, that, all of his power and authority and strength is resident in every believer. What a gift. Most of us don't live like that, right? We don't experience life that way. We experience life like my money's stuck in the vending machine and you're kicking it and trying to get it out. You know, I don't have the power to get the thing out of the vending machine, much less the power to heal people. And yet, the Holy Spirit is resident in us. And the gift of tongues was one of the first expressions of that filling. So a flame of fire, sound of a mighty rushing wind, we sang about it. Then people began to speak in other tongues. And the first example was when they spoke in the languages of the people around them. Everybody in the courtyard understood what was being said, even though they were from all over the world. It would be akin to going up to the international center up on campus where there's people from Libya, people from Syria and Iran and Afghanistan and China and India and Pakistan and South America. And, so you, and all of a sudden, a group of people come in and they're speaking in Portuguese and they're speaking in Mandarin Chinese and they're, and they're praising God. And the people are you don't speak my language. How do you know this? I mean, these people are uneducated fishermen, right? It was, it was, this was clearly something going on. It was the Holy Spirit filling them, and they were speaking these other languages to praise God. But then something switches along the way, and there's this new experience that happens in the first century church 
where people, and this is what Paul is talking about specifically here, people are speaking in tongues that make no sense to anybody but God. And it is clearly the evidence of the Holy Spirit. It happens over and over again. People come to faith, and boom, suddenly they're just like they're filled with the Spirit of God, and out comes this language that, where is that? Where does that even come from? And what it is, it's this language that, that God understands. It's you know, What Paul said was, if I speak with the tongues of men, if I speak in other languages, or if I speak in the tongues of angels, right? This is the language only God understands. But if I don't have love, I'm nothing. Paul is saying, that, look, there's this other language that we can have. And when we pray in that language, what it does is it builds up our faith. It builds up our belief in God because the Holy Spirit implants something in us and we speak it. We say, okay, I trust that this is from the Holy Spirit and I speak it out. And even though Sarah is going to look at me like I am bonkers because she has no clue what I am saying, I know that this is to God, not to her. And my faith and my connection with the Lord has been built up and strengthened because I've exercised this gift. Now, clearly the first mention of tongues would be really helpful in evangelism, right? If you could speak the language of other people and praise God when you no, no other way of knowing how to do it. But this other one is really helpful in building our faith, building us up in the Lord, teaching us to trust that God is with us and that the Holy Spirit is within us. And as we release it, we declare to ourselves and to anybody who happens to be hearing us that we are trusting God for this language and that it is real. Praying in tongues keeps us in a constant awareness of the Holy Spirit within us. So when we're praying in the morning and, and out comes this spiritual language, you're like, ah, oh, man, not only has God been among us, and not only has God walked with us, but God is in me. And here it is. Here's this language. I'm talking to God. I don't fully understand this. There's, I'm praying things that I don't know to pray. You ever like not seen the full picture? It's like a puzzle. You're looking at your puzzle without the, without the big picture box top, and you're trying to put that thing together, and you're, this doesn't make sense. And it's like that in your heart, and you're praying. Your spirit is praying things that you don't understand. And the Holy Spirit is prompting, is speaking to your heart, and is saying, pray this. And so you're praying things you don't even know you need. And God is providing in the midst of that. That is what this gift of tongues is. It builds up the individual's faith, reminds you that God is present. Now, it's great to have that gift. And that's why Paul says, I want you all to have that. I want you all to know that the Holy Spirit lives in you. I want you all to be built up in this way. But when you come to church like this, if everybody starts blurting out in tongues because they're building up their own faith, the church isn't being built. And that's why I want you to prophesy. Because prophecy is where somebody gets a message or a word that speaks to the whole church and builds us up. It encourages us. It challenges us. It convicts us of our sin and we are called forward in our faith, and we are made whole and made new because that message came. So it's really important that we have these things. Sometimes it happens when you're praying in tongues, and suddenly you like, and I've seen this happen in church services, so we're worshiping, and there's just this moment where it goes quiet, and somebody blurts out in tongues this message. It's loud, and everybody's like, you know, the people that aren't Christians, the people that haven't been around the church are going, what? And all the Christians are going, that's still really weird. And, you know, and, we're like, and then as the worship leader or the pastor, I'm sitting there going, Jesus, please give us an interpretation because this is going to be really weird if we don't get an interpretation. But what will happen is that somebody else, like Jamie Haas, will be standing there. He'll be praying. And he'll go, Lord, I want to hear from you, and we need to hear from you this morning. So would you give me the, the interpretation of what was just said? And in his mind will come 
this image, this thought, this idea, this message from the Lord, and then he will speak it. And it will bring a word of encouragement to the church. That's one way in which prophecy happens. Another way it happens is without tongues altogether. You're just praying. You're just, you know, worshiping. It happens to Eliza all the time. You know, she's just worshiping, and suddenly God gives her this thing that she's supposed to speak. And it is a message directly from God. It is always backed up by Scripture. And it is, uh, it is we check it against the wisdom of others, and then we share it with the church. So it builds up the church. That's the gift of prophecy. Let's come back to this. You guys are all believers in Jesus Christ. You are gifted. The Holy Spirit is resident in you, and you have access to the gift of tongues, and you have access to the gift of prophecy, along with healing, along with encouragement, along with all of these other ecstatic gifts, but they are yours in Jesus. And that is why Paul is saying, I want you all to speak in tongues. It's great for you to speak in tongues. It's important for you to speak in tongues. Practice it. But like an orchestra, if we just all speak in tongues, we're going to be like instruments tuning up, right? At the beginning, it's just noise. It's just cacophony. It doesn't make any sense. But when we all start to, to, to want something together, when we want to build up the church, and then prophecy comes, it's like the orchestra suddenly playing. And the church is built up, and the story is told, and the message is brought forward. That's why we speak in tongues. That's why we prophesy. running out of steam, guys. So let me finish this with my story. Now, most of you have heard my story with this idea of speaking in tongues and how I grew up in the culture where if you didn't speak in tongues, you weren't saved. And I would go through spiritual abuse and the heavy hands of prayer and all that stuff, and I even made up speaking in tongues at one point. If you haven't heard that story, it's very funny, and I'll tell it to you sometime, and we'll all laugh, and it'll be great. But after that, you know, after that moment, um, I didn't speak in tongues for a very, very long time. In fact, that moment actually shaded me away from things like tongues and ecstatic gifts. Like I thought that that was really crazy, and then I kind of believed that maybe it was just made up because I made it up. I didn't have this real experience. I wanted it deeply. I I loved God. I loved people or tried to, but it just wouldn't happen to me, no matter how much I prayed for it. And clearly, I must not. God must not love me, and I must not be a Christian because I've been asking for this. And if I've got the Holy Spirit, then I should be able to do this. But I didn't. I didn't pray in tongues. I didn't experience it for a very, very long time. And until one day, I did. That's just the way I'll say it. One day, I did. One day, I did. One day, while praying, this string of words came into my mind. Words that didn't make any sense, words that seemed like gibberish. And it came into my mind in this moment, this holy moment, where God was really dealing with my heart on something. And here comes these words, and I just left it. Left it there, I just sat aside, and I moved on, and I went on with my day. A few weeks later, I'm praying again, I'm you know encountering God, I'm worshiping, and here's these set of words. What do I do with this? And eventually, it prompted me, you know, bugged me enough that I just said to God, God, there's this set of really bizarre words here in my brain. They're rolling around in here, and they won't go away. And when it doesn't go away, I kind of have to assume maybe it's you, or maybe it's me being crazy. But either way, in this moment, I'm going to speak those words, and I'm going to trust that this is you, and I'm going to trust that you're building my faith, and I'm going to trust that my spirit is praying something that I don't understand, and I prayed them. And you know what happened? 
I felt a release in my heart. I felt a freedom, a lightness, a hope that I hadn't experienced before. And I have not stopped praying in tongues since. It's not something I do out loud. It's not something I do from the stage. I'm praying privately. You might hear me like something weird under my breath. Lots of little ticking sounds because it just sounds like that when you're whispering it. And I pray in tongues all the time. That's how it happened to me. And I believe that's actually how it happens for a lot of us. Um, I've preached sermons on this before, and I had kids, youth high school kids, go away and come back a week later. We had a sleepover, and like we were talking about this whole speaking in tongues thing, and and then we were like, God, can we have that? And and like an hour later, we were all speaking in tongues and praying, and it was really weird, but God was there, and it was awesome, and we were free in it. And then a couple weeks later at youth group, one of them prophesies because it's been released in them. They've let it be in them. They've opened themselves to it. They've said, God, what do you have for me? And then they prophesied. I have wondered long and hard why I didn't speak in tongues earlier. Though I prayed and asked, prayed and asked, prayed and asked. Why did I not receive it? Why did I feel like God didn't love me? And I came up with a few things. And first of all is this, is I didn't believe that I was spiritual or holy enough. I had this idea that people who spoke in tongues were the super holy people. And that was partly because we have the spiritual elite that put that on, right? They put on those gifts as as a coat of armor and a, and a way of lifting themselves up. These people uh, who were spooky spiritual, they never cussed, they never played cards, and they never played, watched R-rated films. And I, on the other hand, even as a high schooler, would cuss with my, my high school friends because I wanted to be liked by them. I was really, really good at Uno, a skill I have since lost, but I would play cards. And I was way into Terminator movies. I just love some, well, I'll be back. I don't know why that was awesome, but it was. And so I'm praying and I'm asking for the Holy Spirit. I'm asking to speak in tongues somewhere inside of me. I don't think I'm worthy of it. I don't think that I've earned it or I deserve it. I'd try to change. I'd try to stop wanting people to like me, but it wouldn't go away. And, and I figured if I could just change, maybe God would give me that gift. I didn't realize, though, that when I said, Jesus, I want you to come and live in me, make me a new person, that at that moment I was made completely and totally and utterly clean. That there was no sin before God anymore. There wasn't some sort of qualification that I didn't measure up to to receive his gifts. In that moment when I said, Jesus, come into my life, I was made perfect forever. I was made holy by his one sacrifice. That's what Hebrews 10.4 says. God made me clean through Jesus and his work on the cross. And in fact, when God pours out his spirit on us and we open ourselves to the use of those gifts, the release of those gifts in our life, we move from glory to glory to glory. The things that are keep that keep us from being like God begin to fade away because we are moving more toward him as the spirit lives and moves and works in us. The next way I was really confused and the reason I think maybe I didn't operate in the gifts earlier was that I didn't believe that I was filled with the Spirit of God, that God was resident in me. I believed that I had to speak in tongues in order to get it, right? Like I had to do the thing first to be crossing the line to receive the Holy Spirit. But it's not that way. When we get Jesus, we get all of God, all of him. There is no part that you didn't get. And I don't care how you feel. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. This is the truth. If you said, Jesus, I'm in, I need your life, I need your hope, I need your blood, I need, I need you to change me, fill me, make me yours, 
when that happens, you're free. And there is nothing lacking in you. But I believe that because I didn't speak in tongues, I was lacking God. And I think God was trying to tell me, look, all of me. Why not take all of me? God gave me all of him. And God was trying to work in me to allow my love to flow from an authentic heart from myself, not trying to be something that somebody else wanted. Another point of confusion was that I felt like I needed to have control. I'd watch the TV shows. Okay, I, I, not, I'm not against TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network in general, but I think some of us watch too much of it because we start looking and we're like, those people look like zombies. They're like, they're way out of control. This is, this is insane. This isn't God. This is, this is not 1 Corinthians 15 where he's saying, you know, there should be order in worship. This is not what that is. And I am not going to let myself go out of control like that. I am not going to fall down, laugh or bark or speak in a weird language. We have this idea that God controls us, like sticks his finger into our brain, and then you just kind of go with this blank stare. And suddenly I'm like, and I can speak in tongues, right? He's sticking it in, and I'm prophesying. And he sticks his finger in your head, and you're like, I'm healing somebody. And I had no control. I had nothing to do with it. Acts chapter 2, this is how Luke recorded. He says that they spoke in tongues. So the people that were speaking in tongues, they were participating. They heard something in their head. They opened their mouths by choice, and the Spirit gave them agency, gave them the power, the, the, the ability to speak it. He gave them the words, and they chose to speak it. We are not out of control when we speak in tongues. We are not out of control when we prophesy. We are not out of control when we pray for healing. We declare that God is in control, but we participate. We choose to do these things. So being out of control, and like that's the whole intellectual mindset. That's where I come from. Like, I don't want to be out of control. I can't process it. I can't think it. That's not the truth of the gifts of the Spirit. God is gifting you. God is empowering you. But you have the ability to choose whether you operate in it. And lastly, I didn't want to mess up. I didn't want to do it wrong. I didn't want to say the wrong thing. I didn't want to like prophesy and have it be wrong. I didn't want to speak in tongues and it be just made up. Can I just say this? When we say things like that, we really give Satan a lot of power. Right? We, give, we give the devil the ability to, to, to really twist our minds, to think that, yeah, we, he can mess that stuff up. This is a pocket of grace. The Holy Spirit gives us this pocket of grace to try and to fail and to work it out and to, to, to be awkward, because it is awkward sometimes. And look, even I made it up at one point, but the Holy Spirit still worked in me. He was still doing his business. He was still working out things in my heart that I needed to know. I needed to know I was loved. And if we believe genuinely that Satan can stop what God wants to do, or that Satan can come in there and twist it and mess it up, then we've given Satan too much credit. Because biblically speaking, the power of Satan is he's pop guns and nerf bullets, okay? Pop guns and nerf bullets. These things are meaningless. He has got no power or authority over you. Because you were in Jesus. And you were free to try and to be open. And that's why Paul says, desire gifts. Pursue love, but desire gifts. Desire them because you need to have this life in you. You need to have this strength and this power flowing in you. You need to open yourself to this life and this hope and this, this Holy Spirit living in you. We desire a lot of things. We desire lunch. Most are hungry. We desire sleep. 
because somebody stole an hour from us, those jerks. Give it back and don't take it away from me ever again. But how about we take some time to really desire the gifts? Like, okay, I'll set aside the weird. I'll set aside my expectations. I'll set aside, I'll set aside my experience of pain. I'll, I'll set aside the weirdness that I've seen in church. I'll set aside people saying they're so much better than me because they speak in tongues. Or I'll set aside my desire just to know how everything works at all times. And I will be open and I will say, okay, God, what? do you have for me? Because that's the question that you got to ask yourself. What do you have for me, Lord? What do you want to do in me today? My question for you is this. Why shouldn't you be filled with the Holy Spirit in such a way that you experience these gifts, these ecstatic gifts? Why shouldn't you? There is nothing stopping you. There is nothing reserving. God is not reserving something from you. It is all open to you. Why shouldn't you? Okay, uncomfortable moment. Now we're going to pray for each other. We've got some time, a little bit of time. You guys aren't going to want lunch for an hour anyway, right? So you know, we, can, we should seek the gifts. That's what Paul says. Seek the gifts. We need to do that. We need to obey this command from the Lord. It is not passive. It's not... It's a good idea if you speak the gifts or, you know, the gifts are nice. Maybe you should have some. It's not like that. Just pursue love. Seek the gifts. Pursue love. Desire the gifts. Let's take some time and want them together. Would you guys gather in groups of five, six, seven, eight and pray for one another? And if you're like, okay, God, I'm open. I want you to speak that to the people that you're praying with. Say, I am open to receive this new, some new gift. And it might be a prophecy. It might be might be tongues. It might be, who knows? Maybe suddenly you got the gift of healing and you're like, I'm going to go pray for Jamie's back because that guy needs to be healed and he don't have to have surgery and save $5,000. It'd be awesome. Whatever God wants to release in you, allow it. And then pray for one another. Just say, I'm open. Would you guys pray for me? Pray that I would receive this and be open to it. And, and I'm going to play some music and you guys can pray for one another and then I'll close this up with some music at the end of it. And some of you are going to speak in tongues. Some of you are not. Some of you are going to prophesy. Some of you are not. Some of you are going to go home and next Tuesday you're going to be microwaving your lunch and suddenly here it is. I don't know. It's the Holy Spirit's job. But we're going to ask because asking is the rule of the kingdom. So get into groups and let's do it. Ready, set, go.